This episode of the Autism Dead podcast is brought to you by Bennett Life. Hey, it's Rob Gorski, and I'm here with my 14-year-old Emmett. And we want to talk to you about this new probiotic, Neurally, that he and I have been taking, I don't know, about two months now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Neurally is a unique probiotic. It's the first of its kind where it actually regulates the happy hormones it, in the gut. That- Dad, let's not bore them with the science stuff. Let's just talk about how it's been affecting me since we've been taking it for the past two months. I have a lot of food sensitivities and I can't usually have like milk or ice cream without getting sick. And so with Neurally, it's been helping with uh, my sensitivities and I've been able to eat ice cream and have milk in my cereal again. It's been helping a lot and I think I'll pass it back to my dad for the rest. Yeah, so I I agree. I mean, I, I've noticed that you you are not having as many issues with lactose related stuff, and I've also noticed that you seem to be just a little more chill, like a little more relaxed, maybe less anxious. Yeah. Okay. So I'm noticing the changes in, and they've been very positive. If you guys want to find out more about Neurally, you can visit BennettLife.com. That's B-E-N-E-D-L-I-F-E.com, or they can find a link in the description below. Perfect. Ooh, good catch, Emmett. Uh, Emmett's over there waving at me to remind me. <laughs> I forgot. If you use a discount code, the Autism Dad, at checkout, you'll save 20% on your first order. Welcome to the Autism Dad podcast. I'm Rob Gorski, and today is the official end of season five. We have had a really good season. Uh, 54 episodes is amazing. I'm very proud of it. I, I feel very lucky because I have had the opportunity to meet and interview so many amazing people along the way. And I've learned a lot, you know, and I've grown and I, I really, I just feel very grateful right now. And, and I'm so thankful that you guys keep tuning in and, and helping me make this a success. It wouldn't be successful without you. So I, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And I thought what I would do to kind of close things out for the season is to revisit one of my favorite interviews from this past year. And that is with my friend, Kate Swenson. So sit back and relax and uh, enjoy the next half hour or so of a really fun conversation with Kate Swenson. If you don't know who she is, you're in for a treat. And even if you do, it's you'll have a lot of fun. So thanks again for everything, guys, and uh, enjoy the interview. Thank you, Kate, for taking the time to come on the show. I really appreciate it. Kate is Cooper's mom and uh, creator of Finding Cooper's Voice. And we met at a conference recently and decided we wanted to do a podcast episode and talk about her book and just kind of have like a parent to parent conversation about, cause we both kind of do similar things and just kind of compare our experiences and, and just have like a cool conversation that you guys will enjoy. So thank you, Kate. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Thanks for having me. I uh, found you, I think on Facebook because I loved your reels. You were doing oh. reels where you just answered questions. And I thought that was so genius. It was like a palatable amount of content, like 30 seconds. And you answered a question that we all have. I thought that was so great. So thank you. I love that. I'm Kate. I am Cooper's mom. Also finding Cooper's voice. I have four kids. I live in Minnesota. My husband and I are both self-employed. So that means we're always parenting and always working and uh, neither failing or winning uh, (laughs) ever, which is fun. And I recently wrote a book called Forever Boy. And that has been just a wild ride of promotion and figuring out the nuances of the publishing world. That's a little... A little wacky. And, um, you know, just trying to spread autism awareness towards acceptance. You know, if someone meets a person with autism, they know that there's a little boy in Minnesota who is super cool and amazing and it's not something to be feared. 
Can you talk a little bit about what your parenting journey has been? Yeah. Yep. So Cooper is my firstborn. He is 11 years old now. Mm-hmm. He was born and just really turned our life upside down from the second we brought him home from the hospital. He struggled to eat and sleep. And I hear that a lot from other parents of kiddos on the spectrum. Just how in my book, I say he didn't really know what to do as a newborn. He was just kind of confused. And it wasn't until he found the TV and Barney, that purple dinosaur, that he really found peace and just kind of chilled out a little bit and became hyper-focused on TV, but was meeting his milestones physically just not the social communication, wasn't playing, super rigid. Um, We couldn't go anywhere. And it was almost as if our world was just kind of shutting down, closing off. I mean, we'd go to work, but then we had to come home and our world is really centered around the TV and Cooper's programs. We'd, I have these memories of like putting him in a sandbox and he's like, what do I do here? Or bringing him on a slide and he's like, well, this is strange. I mean, none of that made sense to him at all. And I dove in head first to try and figure out what was going on, but was met with resistance, which is pretty common even to this day. I was told, first time mom, calm down, relax, late talker, boys are lazy, all the whole gamut of things. And, you know, as a mom, I wanted that to be right. Like I wanted to be wrong. I knew I wasn't though. And we ended up getting a diagnosis of autism when he was just shy of four. We could have probably got it at 18 months, no lie. And um, that really just started our journey of a lot of dead ends and a lot of closed doors. And how do you figure out how to help a child who can't communicate what he needs or wants, comes out in behaviors and stimming. And it it was hard for a lot of years, but we really found some reprieve for him at age nine, turned a corner, and he has been thriving ever since. When we were down at the conference, we were talking about our kids. And uh, my Gavin is kind of my version of your Cooper, I think, and in a little bit of a different way. But he was always a lot of challenge when he was little. And a lot of heartache, a lot of struggle, a lot of sleepless nights. There's times I cried myself to sleep. And you fast forward to, he's 22 now, and he has accomplished things that we were straight up told would never happen. He has overcome obstacles that I don't know that I could have as a person, you know? And And I find everything that he does to be inspiring even though there's still times that he needs help and he'll probably need help to some extent for the rest of his life. But he has grown into this young man who is kind and compassionate and selfless and gentle. You know, when I was reading your book and we were talking, listening to your book, actually, because I listened to it on my way home from the conference, I could put myself in your shoes and Jamie's shoes because I know what some of that was like. And it brought back a lot of I had to take kind of breaks as I was driving because I was getting emotional. Like, like, man, like I haven't thought about that in a really long time. And I remember what that was like. I remember feeling the things that you were feeling and feeling overwhelmed and scared and tired and, and all these things. And I, and I guess my question to you is what made you decide to start sharing all of that stuff with everyone. Well, you know, what's funny as you were saying that um, I've gotten so much feedback on the book, things I expected to hear, things I didn't expect to hear. And the one that surprised me the most is I've had so many parents of kids in their 20s and 30s, even 40s. So the older, the older adults 
And they've said to me, this book reopened the wounds that I never healed properly. So it's like, we read your book. We'd have to take yes. breaks. It gives me goosebumps because it's like, because I, even for me, it did as I wrote it. And Cooper's only 11, but it was like all, just for an example, like the trauma with the education can't stuff. I got goosebumps too, actually. Yeah. Like it was like, um, I finally like dove into it and let myself like feel it. And I, and I healed properly. And I'm like, I didn't know my book could do that. Like that's, I mean, I, I, cause we only know our own story, right? Like, you know, mm -hmm. yours, I know mine, granted we share them, but like, we don't know what other people go through. And I thought it was just us that had these things happen. And like, so everyone I've talked to can get something they relate to it. Like whether it's like being told their kid was deaf or not sleeping or, you know, whatever it may be, it's like. We have these commonalities that bring us together. Yeah, that was the big thing. Well, like when I when I first started, I think it was like twenty. No, it was, it was twenty ten. I think I don't remember. It was like fifteen years ago ish, fourteen years ago. There was nobody talking about this stuff, right? And so, like I, I legit felt like I was the only person who who was experiencing this because I didn't know anybody who was going through it. When I kind of accidentally started what I started with the blog. I found that there are so many parents out there that are experiencing the same thing and they thought they were alone. So there's all these people going through all these things together, but not realizing that there's somebody else there. Right. And so this isolation, like they could be our neighbors. Like that's what blows my mind. Like I could have someone like in the next street over that has a child yep. with severe autism, nonverbal and have no idea. It's because um, there's a word for this. I don't know what it is. I learned it in partners and policymaking, but there's a word for it. But like, for example, like we don't go to our home school because Cooper has to go to a level three school. So it's in a different, actually different city and he's mm. bus there. But like when you go to your neighborhood school, you're walking your son or daughter the three blocks to school and you're seeing all the kids and you're with them. And it's like we're, we have this unique level of isolation. So mm. we're not finding the other people like us. And we thought we had the only child. We're like, we we actually left a city in Duluth, Minnesota, because we're like, we have the only kid with autism here. We got to go. <laughs> yeah. I remember when all three of my kids were diagnosed and people were like, oh my God, like that never happens. Like, how does that, how does that happen? And I didn't know somebody with one kid. And I only know like in person to, to like walk up to their house, like in real life, one, two people really that I have a personal relationship with that, that have autistic kids. Uh, I know a ton of people online now, Yep. but it's sort of like when you were saying that it reminded me of when you would have like a group of autistic kids playing together and they would have like that parallel play, right? Where they're, they're playing together, but they're each kind of doing their own thing in their own world. Mm -hmm. That's sort of like what it feels like. Uh, yeah. when I step back and I look back at from the parenting side, is like, we're all doing the same thing, but we don't even recognize that the other person is there. You know, we're all kind of lost in our own world and our own struggles and our own challenges. And we're not, we're not communicating with each other. And, and so we have all of this support that I think is available that we don't tap into because there's this uh, kind of, I don't know, it's not taboo is probably not the right word, but where, where you don't talk about this stuff. You know, mm -hmm. like it's in, like, it's uh, like, you're talking bad about your kids. If you, if you share some of the challenges and, and I know that you've got pushback for sharing your stuff. I know that I've had pushback for sharing that stuff, but have you found that it's been a more positive thing than um, negative? 
Oh, yes, yes, yes. But what's hard is, is the negative is the loudest. And that's what yeah. I have to, I feel like I have to like remind people of my, like my audience is pretty um, protective of me. So I'll have to remind them. But I get, I mean, there's days where I'll have thousands of comments and maybe I'll have one negative comment a week, but people sure pick up on that. They're like, whoa, you know, but it, when you look at the the overall picture, so positive, I think. I really think Cooper is changing the world. I think that he um, he's shattering these stigmas. He's showing hope. You know, so speaking of Cooper's 11, I started blogging when he was two. So that would be nine years ago. It's 2012. Just on a WordPress site, no Facebook page. And when I Googled autism, just like I'm sure it was for you, there was nothing. I couldn't right. find anything. And I, so I turned to YouTube. This is in my book. And I Google or I YouTubed um, severe nonverbal autism. And what it brought up shouldn't have even been on YouTube. I mean, it was just scary, dark, grainy videos of, of abuse and screaming and all this stuff. And uh, I'm like, this can't be it. This can't be it. Like, I would look at Cooper and I'm like, well, that's not you. I mean, what's going on here? So I think the movement to sharing is fantastic. I think it's, it's been so great. I think we still have a long way to go. You know, there's, there's room for so many different voices in this space and someone can identify with someone is, is my point. Yeah. And, and, and I think, um, I found it very therapeutic to share these things because, um, when you are going through this stuff, it, it is, uh, it's not always a positive experience, right? There's, there's stress and there's anxiety and there's, you know, all, all of these emotions that you feel because you're human. And you shared those very honestly in your book. I have so much respect for you. You just kind of put it all out there. And it's so comforting to hear those things because even though like I, I know that there's other people out there that, that feel that same way, it's a whole nother thing to really, to hear that, you know, and to hear someone else say that. And I think I was telling you before we started recording, I listened to your book on the way home and <laughs> It's so weird because like, I, I know you. And so, uh, it wasn't like, and you, you narrated the book, uh, mm -hmm. on audible. Yeah. And, and so I, like, I, like I know you. And so I'm hearing, it's like, you're telling me your story instead of, I'm just listening to an author, um, read their book. And so it was, it was tough sometimes, honestly, because it was, uh, like I can, I can feel the emotion and I, and I remember what it was like for me to go through those things. And you're still, you know, you're at a place in your journey that, you know, I, I was sort of at, I'm a little bit ahead of you, I think. 10 years. Because my kids well, are, my 22. oldest is 20, 22, yeah. But I have, you know, a, a almost 14-year-old and a 16-year-old. So we're sort of in the middle there. But I, I remember all of that stuff. And it, and it helped me to, it helped me to maintain perspective. You know, sometimes I get frustrated with, with the challenges that I still have to deal with. And I forget to look at how far we've come. You know, I get focused on where we are and I get kind of drowned out in, in that. And I forget to look back and be like, oh my God, like we've, we used to be way back there and, and like, look where we are. Maybe not as far as like other families might be, but all that matters is where we are and, and we're progressing or we're progressing. What has your response been? uh, for the book? For me, uh, a hundred percent positive that I've seen and read. I have all these, I have thousands of Amazon reviews. I mean, 
I've been hearing, you know, lifeline to parents, um, a must education tool, must have education tool for teachers. A lot of adult siblings have reached out to me and just said, now I know what my mom went through. So a lot of grandparents, um, the most powerful piece of feedback I got was my friend Adrian said she was holding the book and she goes, I just gave it to my mom and said, read this. This is my life. And um, to be able to give that gift to somebody, because, you know, we had challenges with family too. I mean, and friends and we're past all that stuff now, but it's hard to communicate that it's not bad parenting and it's not lazy parenting and um, autism is real and it's not going away. And um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, progress, what you just said, because I think that is such an important thing. So this morning, my son Cooper went out in the driveway and waited for the bus 10 minutes before the bus came. And he sat there without his iPad and he was playing with the rocks and he was sitting there and we were kind of running around. Three years ago, we had to pull in our garage and immediately shut the door and pretend that we didn't even have a front of the house. Um, The doors had three locks on them, an L-shaped lock that he couldn't get, but he would move a chair and try, Mm -hmm. Um, a deadbolt and a keypad. We had alarms and went on the windows and um, fences and you wouldn't believe it because he would run towards cars, run straight towards them. And he would look back and he would laugh and it was so scary and terrifying. And we spent all of our time juggling the door, making sure the doors were locked so Mm -hmm. he wouldn't get killed. And to, to pause this morning and just watch him sit there, I was like, oh my gosh. So parents, like your progress may be baby steps. I mean, it may be non-existent for years, but look, just look. If you really look at how far you've come in different areas, it's mind blowing. And don't compare yourself to other families, right? Don't compare your child to someone else's kid's progress because uh, it, it falls into that same category. Like never compare yourself to somebody else because you compare your strengths to their weaknesses or their weaknesses to your strengths. I forget how that goes, but you, you have to look at where you've been versus where you are now. And I promise you that there is forward movement, even if it takes a long time, even if it's taking, you know, longer than you would like, it's still forward progress and that's positive things. And those are all things to celebrate. And and I think that we get caught up in the numbers sometimes and we don't see those little victories that, that we get in every day. And when you were saying about Cooper waiting, uh, sitting on the, the driveway, playing with rocks, waiting for the bus. I was thinking like, I remember in your book, the, the door, the door would open. He would dart for the door. And now he's at a place where he's sitting, waiting for the bus to come. Like, how cool mm-hmm. is that? Like, mm-hmm. That's mind blowing. That's so, that's so huge. It's, it's huge. It's changed our whole life. It's opened up a part of, it's opened up our front yard. Where I find um, I made my biggest growth as a parent was when I stopped um, measuring him against traditional milestones and traditional, every time you go to the doctor, I have a, chi- a daughter who's a year, you're going to get a checklist of all the things they're supposed to be doing. And you're going to mm-hmm. identify the things they're not doing right away, which is normal doctoring, fine, whatever. Every school you, you achieve all this in kindergarten and you have to achieve this in first grade. And so everything you, you do has checklists and, and, you know, what's supposed to happen. And it was not good for Cooper. It was not healthy for him to be held to those standards. And I think I didn't know that I was a first time mom. I I wanted him to do all the things he was supposed to do. So now that he's 11, I don't even really think of him as an age, like a fifth grader or he is exactly who he's supposed to be. And like, 
He can't tie his shoes, but he can sure put his his slip-on bands on. He can't hold a pencil, but he's learning to type into YouTube what he wants to search. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, let go of those milestones that everyone has to do at this certain time. And think of your child as an infinite human, and it, it's life-changing. I have been uh, referring people to your book. I have a, a autism parenting subreddit with like 9,500 families in it. And that's where I was pulling those questions from. You were talking about on the reels. They, they would ask, parents are always asking these, these questions and it's sometimes it's hard to like type out an answer. It's easier to just say something. But Way easier, I think. Yeah, yeah. I had I had a mom the other day and I can't remember what she was asking, but I was like, you got to read this book. You know, here's, here's a link to it. Go check it out because I can see where she is right now on your journey, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And being able to find your place and see that there can be a light at the end of the tunnel. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. It may not be what you think it's going to be, but it can be better than where you're at. And we have to accept that, right? We, we accept that uh, good is relative. Progress is relative. And you know, there's always going to be limitations that I think, especially my oldest will have, but he's a hero to me completely, honestly, because he never complains. He just keeps doing his thing. And like... Just, oh, it's so cool to experience this stuff as a parent and then to sort of feel like I've experienced your life through your book. That's just a really cool. One of my, um, one of my more, was to touch on what you just said, more virally pieces was called, um, I, I talk a lot about, you know, making it through and getting to the bright side and getting through. Mm-hmm. And I had this mom just, you know, and, and she was in a hard place. So I want to fully acknowledge the hardness she was in, but she, you know, just came at me hard keyboard, you know, and she was like, for some families, there is no bright side. There is no good part at the end. And, you know, she just, I mean, just really unloaded on me. And I try to practice the pause and I took, you know, a couple days to really think about that. And for me, it was a mind shift because it, I'll say the sentence, some of our best days would still be most people's hardest days. If that right. makes sense, let that sink yep. in. So I, I wrote back, I wrote like a, just an open letter to this mom. And I was like, you have to change what the bright side looks like, what the end is, what the end result is. If I was to sit in this place where it was like, Cooper will never be aggressive. He will talk. He will go to college. He will get married. He will, if I did that, right? Well, no, of course not. <laughs> like, you know, I could be in this like sad place, but I shifted what that looked like. And so I wrote in there, I'm like, sometimes the, the, the end happy result is a, is a, a semi-independent group home. Sometimes it's yep. your child living with grandma. Sometimes it's, it's whatever it is in your family. Don't, don't look at someone else's and think that's the only bright side. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's all, yeah. it's all relative. And we have yeah. to have reasonable expectations of, of our kids. I, ha- I got into an argument with a dad once who said that his son, his autistic son would never be successful because he was never going to manage a business. He wasn't going to live in a, in a corner penthouse apartment. He wasn't going to make six figures. He, all these things that he, the, the dad assigned to, or related measure to being success. measure. Yeah. Measure of success. And I was like, man, that's like, that's really messed up. Cause you have just totally set your kid up for failure. He's never going to succeed in your eyes. And, and I, and I've always been very careful about how I define success for my kids. You know, I want my kids to be happy and healthy. I want them to live their best life. I want them to be, I want them to contribute to society in whatever way 
they yes. they can do yes. that if they can you know they'll all probably work a job at some point and um help people and be kind and compassionate and all those things that contribute light to the world and in my view when i'm on my deathbed and i and i'm asking my kids i, I want to know are you happy because if they're happy that's total success yep. in my book i wish parents would like what's so much pressure it's yeah. pressure on a neurotypical child so i have a story in my right at the end of my book the, the end of my book is my favorite part it's really where i made that mind shift and talk about mm -hmm. you know how i transformed into the person cooper needed me to be and i was watching the news or something and this commercial came on and it was like liberty mutual or some insurance company right and it was like we're here for the only things that matter in life and it was like a grandchild being born, getting your driver's license, getting married, um, buying your first house. And I remember like being kind of like angry. So I was like, those aren't the only things that matter. I was like, Cooper's probably never going to do any of those things. And he's achieved more than most people I know. <laughs> like he's, so I think we have to just do this. That's part of our job as parents is to be the mouthpiece to show that like, you don't have to make a million dollars to have a successful life. Like we need to just, you know, keep shouting that. I think it's so important. Happy, healthy, and loved, you know? And not that's, a burden. Not, yeah. And that's the one that's important to me is because I, you know, like Cooper's going to be a burden on your family. Cooper's going to be a burden on his siblings. No, stop that now. Like we are happy. And if it ever does come to that at the at end of my life, we're going to have arrangements set up. And look, like, honestly, all kids are burdens to their parents at some point. It's normal, right? Like, People get upset with me when I would say my kids, uh, I'll say like my autistic kids drive me crazy. Well, guess what? They All do. Kids. How and did we start this conversation today? I'm like, kids are the worst. <laughs> yeah, right? My kids drive me crazy. They're supposed to do that. They're still kids, you know? It's like a rite of passage. My parents, and I always love telling the story because like my mom and dad used to tell me when I was little, like, oh, I can't wait, Rob, until you have kids of your own and you you know exactly what it's like to go through what we're going through right now. And I was like, Oh, it's never going to happen, whatever. And I have called my mom. I don't know how many times I've been like, you know what? You win. You're right. Call it off. We're eat. Like I, I get it. I was a terrible Wait, kid sometimes. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just put whatever, flip that switch. I've had enough lesson learned. Just make it stop. <laughs> and, and, uh, but that doesn't mean I don't love my kids. I would die for my kids in a heartbeat. And, you're allowed to be human. You're allowed to have emotions. You're allowed to feel. I shared something once, like, like speaking of double standards, because you and I talk about that a lot. Yeah. I, I shared something once to be funny. And it was like, I could say, I'm going to sell my son Sawyer to the zoo. He drives me crazy. I can't take it anymore. And people are like, oh, I know, you know, boys are hard or whatever it may be. And if I say that about Cooper, the same exact thing, they're like, yep. ooh. Ooh, he's disabled. You can't say that. And I'm like, but he's not to me. He's just my son. Like he's yeah. not autistic Cooper. He's not disabled Cooper. He's Cooper. Yes. So it's like, they all equally drive me batty in their own different ways. And yeah. I'll be honest, Cooper's the easiest a lot of the times. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's human. And I think if we have a kind of a parting message, uh, cause I know you got to get going, but it's like parents, you're human and you're allowed to feel whatever you feel. It's how you choose to deal with it that matters, right? I mean, you want to deal with it in healthy, productive ways, right? But I get angry with my kids. I've been resentful at times. All that stuff is normal human emotion. That doesn't mean that my kids are a burden. 
It just means that there's room for me to grow. Do you follow Jason Haig? He's one of my favorite people. He's a pastor. He has a blog called Aching Joy or his, his book's called Aching Joy. I think but so. But he, he's just great. You could link it in the notes or whatever later, but I always recommend him. He's a pastor. He's a dad. His son is um, older than Cooper, severe, bunch of kids. Great guy. But we were doing a podcast one time. We were talking about the grief and the emotions and how mm-hmm. whatever emotions you're feeling are right for you. And he, and he made this joke. He's like, it's not like you can go up to someone and be like, don't feel that way. <laughs> and then the person's like, oh, you're right. I'm done being sad that my child may never speak to me. Like, and that's a big part of my message that, you know, and it may frustrate people or, but it's like, you have to feel this stuff. You have to, you have to sit in it and you got to feel it and it hurts and it stings. And then you can, you can grow from it, but it's the people that. And it doesn't define you. No, the people that don't feel it. They're the ones that they, they have a lot of residual struggles, I think, because they're, they're running from feelings. I had to learn to feel it because I could feel it and then I could put it down and I could move forward. Otherwise I was carrying it with me. That's why I started writing and sharing the way that I did because I didn't think anybody was going to read it. And it helped me process everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Same. All right. So do you have any closing advice for parents maybe who, who are struggling right now mm-hmm. and just need that, that little uplifting glimmer of hope, you know? Yep. So the number one message that came out of my book, which I didn't know this was the nugget that was going to rise at the top, is always try one more thing. And that is yep. something that I have believed in. And that goes to what we were just talking about. I have given up so many times. I've given up trying to get Cooper into a program or given up trying to get him to sleep or to feel good or not, whatever it may be. I've in, but I've given up for like 24 hours and then I've came back. You are the only person who's ever going to fight for your child like you will with just your mm-hmm. strength and your resilience and your love. So when you reach those dead ends and you will reach lots, doors will be slammed in your face. Take a break. Take the night off, cry, be angry, do whatever you want to do. The next morning, make another phone call, research, find another program, try one more thing and keep doing that until you find the one that fits and you will. And remember, it may not be the one you think that it's going to be. It may be a different solution, but you will find one. Thank you. Yes. Uh, what, what's the, it's very good. What is the, uh, what's the best way for people to find you? So I have a website called findingcoopersvoice.com, but Facebook is my really happy community where I share all the, you know, day to day. I try to share little stories that are really visually just show you what our autism looks like. I do that every day. I do a lot of video over there. That's Finding Cooper's Voice. And then Instagram too. And then my book is on Amazon. It's called Forever Boy. Um, And it's really for everybody. It's not just for parents of children with autism. I think anyone a teacher, a doctor, a person that works with whatever will get something out of this book. So it's on Amazon or local bookstores. Grab a copy of that. Very cool. Very, very cool. Thank you. Good to see you again. Welcome. And uh, yeah, be in touch. Tell Jamie I said hello. He just had to go get Cooper. So speaking of uh, my phone rang, it was the school. And then I text Jamie. I'm like, uh, school called. And then he's like going to get Cooper. He had 60 minutes of a hard time and that's our threshold. So, so uh, Snoopy Joe is upstairs. I'm going to go see what he did. (laughs) That's parenting. All right. Take care, Kate. It's good to see you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Have a great week. All right. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Uh, I thought it was a really good way to kind of close things out because there's a lot of perspective that you get from uh, talking to Kate and, and through all her experience. 
All of her information will be in the show notes below. So you can check out her book, website, social media stuff. Uh, I want to thank you guys again for making this season such a success, making the podcast overall such a success. Thank you for letting me help in my own way. And I really look forward to season six and and what we're going to do with that. So uh, you guys can find me at theautismnet.com. It's kind of the hub for everything that I do. Uh, Social links are at the top of the page. Links to the Autism Dead podcast are there. And uh, there'll be links soon for the new um, Special Needs Ohio podcast that we're launching shortly after the first of the year. So uh, I really hope that you guys enjoyed this uh, episode and uh, make sure you go follow Kate. She's she's awesome. Um, have a fantastic new year and I look forward to reconnecting in 2023. Thanks for everything. Bye.